Welcome back to the assembly rooms here at Derby. And as promised, our first sight of the young professional making his debut in big time snooker, the 18-year-old from Tooting, Jimmy White. <laughs> Jimmy White pulls it up. Me, Jimmy White, has got all the shots. He's, uh, he's amazing. He never ceases to amaze you when you're watching him play. You know, you couldn't get more exciting than that. But that's how my life and game is all for. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you crystal fucking clear. Really? <laughs> yeah. Good news. This is amazing. Okay. Well, I'm excited. How you doing, mate? You right? Can you see me as well? I can see the and the Jimmy face. You look a picture, my friend. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The T-shirt. Let's, let's get a full view of the T-shirt for a Please. second, shall we? There we go. The whirlwind. There oh, we go. yeah. That is really that was, cool. That, that was sent to me by World Snooker, that was. Oh, God. Well, I just hope to reach your level of fame. Ian. <laughs> I live for freebies like that. Yes, Bloody yeah, I've, I've had a few. <laughs> so, uh, how's your week been, mate? All right, full of work, if a little too full of work, if I'm honest, but mm. um, but buzzing since that result on Monday night. Okay, well, shall we get straight into it? Welcome to the White Room. I'm here with the Jimmy White fanatic, my good friend Ian. Say hello, Ian. Hello. And we are this week going to be talking about a rather exciting match that happened between Jimmy White and Ali Carter in the qualifiers for the Indian Open. Jimmy against Ali Carter in the uh, Indian Open qualifiers on Monday night in uh, Preston at the Guildhall. And uh, a venue that previously Jimmy has won tournaments at, and um, and it went really rather well. Jimmy had a quite marvelous victory. Yes. So, what was the final score? Four-one uh, to the whirlwind. Uh, it sounds really rather one-sided. If I'm honest, it wasn't, and it wasn't the type of match that historically Jimmy likes or wins in the sense that it was very sort of scrappy it was a typical beginning of the season match if you like um both players struggling for any rhythm um any uh, the big breaks were were not to be had um balls kept going safe and and reds on cushions and what have you and mm. The highest break of the match was a 44 from from Jimmy. Wow! And that historically, those are matches that Jimmy cannot stand. That that sort of bit bit parts type of match, and um, he he likes the the fluid, entertaining stuff. Centuries flying in left, right, and centre, but he won't be complaining now. Crikey! Yeah, I mean, I I don't know about 
when you watched the game, I think um, you had a little bit of internet problem with your stream, so you told me that you only got to see a couple of shots. I did. Solved now, I must say. I've uh, I've done some work during the week, and I'm confident that the next time a Jimmy match comes around, I have solved that problem, thanks to my uh, incredible technology knowledge. Brilliant. Well, um, amazingly, uh, <laughs> I actually... Uh, <laughs> you and I share the same skill set for technology. I... I yes. downloaded the wrong um, application, so I put a £5 into a Betfred account thinking I'll get the I live know, stream. I know, I remember you saying, yeah, I did and, laugh uh, myself. And, yeah. when, and when I'm there with my beers, ready for the 8 o'clock kickoff, I'm thinking, and then I check your Twitter feed, and it's already underway. And you're going, Jimmy's yeah. at the table. I was like, what the fuck's happening? How come I'm not seeing it on my screen? <laughs> uh, and in a frantic uh, rustling of papers and scurrying around, I realise I've put, I've opened up the wrong account, and it's on Bet345. So, bet three six five, yeah. Oh, bet three six five, yeah. Bet three six five. So I, th I think they are one of the betting companies that sponsor a tournament somewhere along the way in in the calendar. So hence why they've got the uh, the television rights to to broadcast events. Um, but yeah, if anybody has any doubts yourself or anyone else, it is bet three six five the website to sign up to. You do have to register, mm. um, and you also have to deposit the account with a fiver. That will not go down as you watch. Um, that fiver will stay there forevermore unless you elect to place a bet on something or other. Um, so essentially, you have a potentially a lifetimes of uh, a lifetime worth of free snooker watching. Um, having just deposited that fiver in Brilliant. the first place. Well, a good advert for Bet365 there. But yes, uh, I thought <laughs> actually, you know, as, a, as well, it's good that they've got the live stream on. So, you know, I'm not going to come down too hard on Bet365 because it's our only portal to watch these games, really, unless you're there at the yeah. live event. But it was a very tiny window. Uh, it was just a tiny, I don't know if you had this or if it was just me, but obviously no commentary like it was last time. But there was... Yeah. Only a small, like, three-inch by three corner window on my screen that I could watch this. It was like, a, it was like watching it for a thumbnail. Did you have that as well when you, when you did manage to get some streaming? Uh, no, in short. I, I had the same as you. It is a pain in the ass, really, isn't it? And um, it's, it's, it's a, a sport that doesn't have the luxury of television broadcasting rights that other sports have. Uh, so you are confined to watching it uh in this internet medium um Never before mind. this before this season it, it was available on all sorts of websites where you could enlarge windows but um not on this one well we'll put that aside we'll yeah. uh we'll go on to the game itself yeah and so jimmy takes the first frame and that's i i've lost the first frame i didn't manage to see it but we're one okay. frame up uh, it's the yep. best of seven so Talk us through basically the feel. I mean, I when I was watching the game itself, I got the feeling that Carter, he just he was it. He was not interested in the game of snooker. He was getting down on his shots way too quick. He was putting his cue through the shots, head movement. It honestly looked like a cliche where he had a train to catch. He did not look at all interested in playing the game. I think um, I think there's a, a couple of factors to that. A Jimmy has always been a better front runner than coming from behind. If Jimmy takes a lead in a match, uh, he's he's always in a better frame of mind from from that point on. If he's a long way behind, you can you you know bet your mortgage that he's going to struggle that day. 
But um, so when Jimmy was ahead, 1-0, then 2-0, 2-1, then 3-1, and he kept that cushion in front, uh, Jimmy's getting stronger all the while, really, in terms of, perhaps not in terms of the fluidity of the game on this occasion, but in terms of his frame of mind, if nothing else. And as Jimmy's frame of mind was getting stronger, what we both saw, and I think everybody watching saw, was Ali Carter's frame of mind getting weaker. Mm. And he was getting getting noticeably ratty. He mm. was getting down on shots at the speed of light, seemingly carelessly playing them as well, uh, without much regard of the outcome of a safety shot here or there, presenting Jimmy with opportunities to um, to pot when he, uh, a, a little modicum of, of care on his part would have... Um, you know, done him no harm whatsoever. And I th- I think he was visibly losing his rag. The The whirlwind got to him, and you you can't say that on many occasions. Jimmy's known perhaps more so than Ali Carter for a fragility of mind in matches sometimes. But it was Ali Carter on this occasion who uh, really did wobble, and it, it did get to him. It was obvious. What do you think that was then? I mean, do you think he was just getting dispassionate with the surroundings, having to be in the qualifiers, you know, not having an audience to play to? Is he used to these situations and these circumstances, Carr? Yeah, Ali, Ali Carter is not in the top 16. He's uh, he's 32 in the world. The top 16 are, to a degree, exempt from these qualifying stages, this cubicle um uh, format, if you like, where uh, many tables are on the go at once. Um, but even the top 16 still do encounter that at times. Ali Carter, not in that um, prestigious club, will encounter it just as much as the rest of the tour does. So he's very experienced in that type of setting. Um he was involved in it during the World Championship qualifiers. I saw him play during that uh, event. He was coming through it comfortably with with flying colours. It's I don't think it's the this cubicle qualifying format that messes with him, if you like. I think it was something about that match and something about playing Jimmy on Monday night that got under his skin. And um, well. It, it it gives us something to celebrate at the it, very least. Uh, it does and it looked like to me i mean we won't we'll come on to jimmy in a bit but just to talk yep. about um ali carter okay it looked like he was becoming a little more and more ratty because he was aware that his form uh, was poor i mean just for, I don't, he hasn't had poor form running into this competition but he nope. he he looked like he knew he was so far off his game that yep. he was pretty much going look there's no point in me trying to play through this. I may as well just throw my cue through this. Uh, you know, especially in the last frame when uh, Jimmy was three one up, he was running around the table. Carter, he had a chance. Uh, the balls were well spread, and he had really good chances in the game. Carter, and this was another one. Yeah. The balls were really well spread. He got down to pot a red, potted the red, and then was snookered immediately behind the brown. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and with the with the reds at the other end. He just thought, fuck this, and threw his cue right through the white ball, smacked the reds, connected well with the reds, got the white all the way back down to bulk and got it safe. It was, I was absolutely fuming at this point. I just couldn't believe. I I couldn't believe he he absolutely pulled that off. But (laughs) what I thought Jimmy did really, I mean, that was just 
Carter aside, just going, look, I want out of here. I, I just can't be asked to play this yeah. game anymore. I just want to get out of this building. But what Jimmy did really well, what I thought was, he knew that Carter was just going to come a cropper at some point playing like this. And he just had to grind it out almost and go, look, he's not, yeah. he knew that he wasn't interested in playing this game. So he just played professional, grinding out snooker, you know, keeping everything tight, keeping, you know, making him work for his shots, working, work for his chances. And in mm-hmm. the end, Carter, you know, collapsed, basically. The wheels came off. Maybe it's a part of uh, Jimmy getting older and all his years in the game, I don't know. But he has got better at these scrappy, sort of hard-fought matches. He doesn't like them. He hates them. He wants to play them. A fluid game, every frame, every match, all the time. It's what makes him tick. He doesn't like this sort of stuff. But as he's gotten older and the, the longer he's, he's played, it is like a degree of familiarity in this type of game is, is coming to him and he knows how to get through it. And he doesn't always, of course, but Carter was dealing with it the worst by a mile and it was so visible and... Uh, I haven't seen that in Ali Carter before, but people contacted me on, via Twitter on the night and said, yeah, this has happened with Ali Carter before. He has really? he has played this type of match in this type of setting and lost his way mentally, and it's been obvious from his play as a result. So um, you could label Jimmy in the same way previously, but um, crikey, it was, it was certainly Carter that folded like a deck chair on Monday not Jimmy well let's have a look at the Jimmy game because as badly as Carter played I thought Jimmy's potting his single ball potting okay so there wasn't any big breaks in the match but I thought he was hitting the ball clean I thought his timing was good Um, maybe his positional play wasn't up to his usual scratch has it ever been? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> He's but, not the greatest rest player in the world for no reason. Exactly. But I did yeah. think his, um, you know, the balls that I thought, crikey, this is a tough shot. This is a tough one for Jimmy. He was nailing those. Uh, yeah. And I was getting more and more confident with his game the longer the match went on. Um, and I, I just thought, I think someone said it best on Twitter, actually. I can't remember the name, but someone just said, uh, you know, has he been practicing potting? Is, is he just been spending hours and hours practicing single ball potting because that's what it looked like to me the following day i think kevin kelly who is uh jimmy's uh self-entitled jimmy's manager uh the boss as he calls himself uh tweeted a photo um of the snooker table in jimmy's house and simply put the sentence uh something like starting early in the office today or something. And it was about half eight, nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, as if to say, yeah, Jimmy's on the practice table. He played the match last night, but he, here he is right now the following morning. Uh, doesn't have a competitive match to play now for a month, but here he is back on the practice table. It's work. And Jimmy takes it very seriously, as he has to this season, perhaps more than any other, of course. Um but yeah, he 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 is practicing. He had all those uh, exhibitions with Ronnie leading up to this. I think specifically chosen that opponent, you know, mm. uh, to to be of a of a testing nature to Jimmy, 
continuously playing someone still at the top of the game. Yeah. So when these so when these similar sorts of opponents come along for real, your Ali Carters and your Mark Selby, who is still to come in a few weeks' time, you know, it's 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 what Jimmy remains used to. The, these opponents of the uh, the highest caliber. It's what he wants. It's what he's practicing for. Don't ride off the whirlwind. Absolutely not, <laughs> Jimmy. Well, um. Did you uh, did you see any kind of celebration at the end of the match? Because the camera was such a low shot. It would have been nice if the camera perhaps panned out and had a. I mean, it literally the stream just ended the minute the yeah. the minute the handshake took place off camera. It looked like. But did you gauge any reaction? There was a smuttering of applause I could hear in the background. But did you did you catch anything? No, I didn't. But having been at the World Championship qualifiers a couple of months ago where it was similar, there was a live stream, it was that cubicle qualifying uh, format. Um, that Obviously, it was the World Championship, so it's perhaps uh, slightly more important than the events of uh, the other night. However, there were very, very visible um, celebrations from Jimmy and signs of him being incredibly pissed off at one one or two points as well um but yeah his his emotions were very much there on the surface and uh i would be surprised if the other night that wasn't the case as well mm. um it didn't come across over the stream of course um and i don't think much of his emotion came across the stream back then a couple of months ago in sheffield mm. uh from what we've spoken about previously um but it did happen back then, so on on that judgment alone, I'll be surprised if it didn't happen this time. Uh, I reckon there was probably a fist pump or two as that final ball went in to seal the victory. Did he uh, tweet anything, or did um, the manager Kevin Kevin Kelly? Did he uh, Kevin he... Kelly? Uh, Kevin kept an updated frame by frame uh, score. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was retwe- retweeting it. Um, as he went, he also uh, tweeted a photo of the table shortly before match started and, and said something like ready to go in Preston or something like that. Right. Uh, but Jimmy himself, he's not a regular tweeter. I think most mm. of us uh, would agree. Um, perhaps one of the least regular tweeters on the tour, perhaps. And, um, you know, he's a he's a 60s baby, so that might explain that. You know, all this sort of social media stuff is is another world from the the life he's grown up with, you know. So uh, I, I sort of defend it that way, really. But he does occasionally get on the computer and and uh, and tweet. And he did uh, that night. He said um, from memory something like good win for me tonight, but also then made reference to Wimbledon Football Club. Um, I remember there was a previous tweet from Jimmy a few months ago where he and his grandson were off to see uh, Wimbledon that particular day. Mm. I don't know the ins and outs of this sort of seemingly recent affinity to Wimbledon Football Club. Perhaps it's just the team that his grandson supports. I don't know. Um, But, yeah, he, he coupled his... Uh, celebration of his own victory on Monday night with a nod of approval to Wimbledon as well, who I believe got through their playoff or something, their playoff final to get promoted or something. Yeah, yeah. So they're with um... that, uh, oh, well, with that big lump of theirs up front. So, um, so yeah, he he sort of it was a it was a nod to himself and Wimbledon within the same tweet. 
Excellent. Okay, well, that's good. That, I mean, it's. I suppose it adds to a part of the whirlwind's charm that he is quite illusory. That you, you know, he rarely does any commentary, does he, for um, like for the Crucible or any other tournaments. You don't see him in the punditry, um, so he's not really hands-on with social media. So, in a sense, you know, people want to know a little bit more about him. People want to engage with him more, but he's he's a little bit harder to get to than and, and less accessible than uh, the other players, would you say? He's the people's champion, isn't he? And that's mm. a, an odd... Uh, that's, a, that's a title from um, that has developed, which which is indicative of how how the public, the general public, be it snooker fan or otherwise, over the last sort of 25, 30 years, have built up this love of the man, not necessarily the successes of the man, Perhaps more so the failures of the man, the the noticeable crashes in world finals over the years, um, but this warmness to towards him has been building and building and building over the years, and he it is a title he takes fondly and and appreciates, but as you say, he's he's not someone who will take advantage, if you like, of that title and uh, spread himself all over every front page. And, and uh, there have been the, no- the the slips along the way on that front, of course, with, um, you know, cocaine here and there. And uh, Hey, look, if a man can't take that, a few bits of cocaine in the, in the height well, of his prime when he's... Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I suppose in, in the last maybe year or two, he has opened up a little more off the table, if you like, with his Eurosport punditry. Um, and that is snooker coverage that is... It's almost as if Jimmy is the uh, the editor of the show as well as appearing on it, because it is it is totally snooker coverage in that whirlwind style. It's Jimmy and Ronnie O'Sullivan frequently on the sofa discussing... Uh, matters on the table and um, but they they do it dropping in the few uh, a few swear words a few a few completely bizarre unheard of words that Jimmy's just made up in that moment (laughs) Uh, Ronnie Wood has appeared with his dog Dolly Um, it it is totally out of the mayhem box that is Jimmy White it's not your BBC Dennis Taylor John Virgo Stephen Hendry uh, straight as a die, um, you, know, you know, nothing unpredictable going on here. It is like Eurosport, and I think they have totally deliberately gone the other way with uh, with hiring Jimmy, with hiring Ronnie, these unpredictable characters, um, and the snooker coverage they provide is totally out of the whirlwind handbook. It really is. So where's that? Is that Eurosport? And what games do they uh, present? A lot of the major tournaments they cover, the World Championship, uh, not the qualifiers, but the actual main event they covered. And uh, again, it was Jimmy, it was Ronnie. It was another 80s player, Neil Folds, who brings uh, a, who brings a degree of... Uh, I used to have a picture of Neil on my wall. Oh, did you? A signed picture, yeah. I wouldn't shout that too loud. I know, I'm going to edit that out. Yeah, good man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, and a lot of the other major tournaments as well that they, they are uh, broadcasting the Masters, the German Masters, the bigger events across the season. Um, Jimmy is in the punditry seat uh, oh. with the two Ronnies, if you like, and it just creates 
farcical but brilliant television. Well, I just realised I, I actually know fuck all about the man because I said he doesn't do any punditry and here he is just pretty much on the uh, on the other side of the telly doing it all. So, uh, in, what, what in do your defence, in your defence, it all began maybe a year ago. It, it's a relatively new thing. Uh, it hasn't been going long, but reaction across the snooker world has just embraced it because they because they do this complete antithesis of what the BBC do mm. in their straight-laced um, professional job. And you've got these uh, loose cannons, if you like, over on Eurosport doing bring, bringing a whole uh, new style to snooker coverage. And uh, it's brilliant as a result. It really is. Well, I have to keep an eye out for that. That's, uh, that's good to know. So, Ian, Definitely. Um, maybe we should have a quick look. So, uh, what what's Jimmy got left for the rest of the month before he plays Selby in the Open? So, what, what's he got on the calendar? Okay, well, in terms of uh, tour stuff, it's a month off, really. June June is the only month... Uh, here's a bit of a stat for you. Uh, Jim, June is the only month that Jimmy has never won a professional tournament in. It's the only calendar month he's never had any success in. But there's a good reason for that. Very rarely have there been tournaments in <laughs> June. And this coming June, there is only the one, the uh, Riga Masters. He has not entered that, which some people have reacted rather bizarrely to and, and questioned somewhat. Uh, in this important season where Jimmy's trying to get every win he can lay his hands on to mm. not enter a tournament seems bizarre. Do we know why? Uh, well, it's because of uh, the fact that the tournament schedule was uh, released uh, whenever it was, uh, rather late, I believe. And at that point, Jimmy had already uh, filled his uh, calendar with various commitments so June isn't by any by any stretch a quiet month for Jimmy mm. uh, with the things that he has got, but those things have prevented his participation in the Riga Masters. He has got some slightly bizarre things coming up, though. What has he on got? The, on the snooker table, um, he's off to Thailand in the middle of the month. He's doing an uh, exhibition which features him playing, I think it's six of Thailand's top professionals, two of them female, uh, four of them males on the main professional tour. Tep Chaya Unnu is a man oh, that... him again. That, um, yeah, him who regularly misses 147s, yeah. Yeah, uh, nice He features now. in it. Mm. Um, a few days later, I think on the 17th of June, he's off to Vietnam, uh, to play an exhibition with a American nine-ball pool uh, player. His name escapes me. It's some sort of Vietnamese name that doesn't sit in the memory too well. Um, but he's doing an exhibition with this fella. Uh, having been over to that part of the world, I imagine he will couple that with a holiday. He has a home over in Thailand as mm. well. So it would make sense to spend a good deal of time over there. But also coming up, I think it precedes those things. I think next week he is filming for an ITV show that I haven't seen before called The Big Fish Off. Oh, uh, I saw something with this. Is this with uh, the darts player? The, um, 
Bobby George. Bobby George, yeah, him of all the gold and the bling. Yeah. So what's uh, what's that show about? Well, fishing, obviously, but what's um what's he doing on a fishing show? I'll have to be honest. I've never seen the program. I don't know, but from <laughs> what I grasp, it is some sort of celebrity reality show where at the crux of it is some sort of competitive fishing element. But uh, the fact that it's celebrities participating is the sort of pull, if you like, is the, the hook for a fishing... Um, if I had a drum a kit here, in, it would go like this. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yes, it's going to be him against Bobby George on whatever this programme is and whatever it does. I, I have no idea when it's going to be aired, but I know it's being filmed next week. Uh, so he's got that, then Thailand, then Vietnam, and all of these things, I think, were booked prior uh, to the tour schedule being released. And as a result of the releasing of the schedule, he was then aware that uh, he cannot make this Riga tournament. Well, he's thinking, uh, fuck it, interrupts my fishing holiday. And it my interrupts my fishing, absolutely, and all the beautiful women in Thailand as well. I can't just fucking down tools and go on a fish and get, play a snooker match when I'm fishing. That's what... Absolutely, maggots are more important. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, okay, well, let's have a... Is there any other news related to snooker, Ian? Um, so if we do a little bit of a roundup, a short snippet of other things going on in snooker. Here we go. This is perhaps where I'm at my weakest because I'm being asked to uh, discuss snooker, but not Jimmy. And, uh, <laughs> anything, anything else flagged that, up? Anything that is Jimmy-less is something that I tend not to pay too much attention to. However, that said... These Indian Open qualifiers that have happened, uh, the shock result was clearly Jimmy beating Ali Carter. Yeah. But some other results that uh, stick in the mind, uh, Stuart Bingham uh, qualified, Sean Murphy qualified, uh, James Watanar, uh, who I believe might be the second oldest player on tour, uh, bar Jimmy, um, he qualified as oh, well. Excellent. Um, Nigel Bond, I think, another of the older guys, oh, the 1995 uh, World Championship runner-up. I think he's through. Great. Um, immediately after the Indian Open qualifiers up in Preston were the World Open qualifiers. Jimmy's qualifier is being held over to the main event mm-hmm. uh, in July against Mark Selby. But the rest of the qualifying has happened. Um, James Watanart, again, qualified, made it through. Two wins out of two for him to start the season off, which is good good for the uh, the older guys. Great. Alan, Alan McManus, he who lit up the World Championship. How did he do? Um, he's qualified as oh, well. Oh, brilliant. It's a, it's a nod to the older guys. It really is. Um so that, off the top of my head, really is all I can come up with in terms of results. However, there's other things that have occurred in snooker recently. The um, the Q School uh, is where the new season really begins, with people trying to get tour places. Uh, it was kind of dominated by young, upcoming Chinese-slash-Asian kids. Of the eight uh, tour cards that were up for grabs, I think five of them were taken by uh, young Chinese players. Um, 
of the older guys, Tony Drago didn't make it, so uh, he is now trying to uh, find himself a new job of, of some sort. That's mm. him gone in terms of the snooker tour. Gerard Green, whose name I say whilst desperately trying not to smash this bottle in my hand. Um, <laughs> he he also failed to uh, get back his tour place. Poor him. Right, OK. Um, but yes, it was the young Chinese kids that really dominated that uh, that process, really. There was one older head that qualified. It is not a name that rolls off the tongue. It won't sit in people's memory. A man called Alex Borg, who uh, I don't know his age exactly, somewhere in the 40s, I would assume, uh, but he is essentially Malta's number two Ooh. behind Tony Drago. Wow. He has always been in Tony Drago's shadow, mm. but here he is now on the tour. He's earned his place on the tour by right, and Tony isn't there. So he's wow. flying the flag. He's flying the flag for Malta now. Uh, so that's good Alex for him. Alex Borg, excellent. Alex Borg. One other thing I can think of from the snooker world uh, it caused a bit of a stir, it has to be said, and I think Barry Hearn is still taking pelters about it. I know exactly was... what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, go on, your prediction. What am I about to say? I, I think you might be able to... I think you might be saying that Steve Davis has been announced for Glastonbury. <laughs> no, 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 no. Everyone's delighted about that. Oh, right. <laughs> no, nobody's got a bad word to say. Oh, no, I, the I, best I just... news on the history of the planet, snooker or otherwise. I love it. <laughs> I can't wait for that. No, the uh, the the news that he's getting some some indifferent reaction to it has to be said from fans, from players, not from me though, and I'll come to why. Um, is the decision to make the snooker shootout a ranking tournament? I did. Uh, yeah, Ebden's Ebden's uh, furious. Ebden was pissed off big time. Mm. I think we all know why. It's a fast tournament. He's a slow player. Mm. It's chalk and cheese. We all get that. Um, but there were several others. Mark Allen, I think, was one who said this is ridiculous. For anybody who doesn't know, the snooker shootout is a uh, one-frame match tournament. You against your opponent, one frame, a 10-minute time limit, I think, uh, 10 seconds per shot, Um it is the Fast and the Furious. It How long really has it is. been going for, this this tournament? Oh, I don't know exactly the last maybe five years, uh, somewhere I, around there. I, the only the first time I heard of this was when I had a Jimmy White YouTube clip and he actually played Unu, the, the guy that misses all the 147s. And, uh, Ooh, the did other... he play Unu in the shootout? Yeah, um... yeah Unu beat him. Oh, crikey. But it's on YouTube anyway. I caught it. And okay. I thought, crikey, I've never even seen this tournament before. I've never even yeah. seen it. But I thought, brilliant. It's like the 2020 version of cricket. Translated it is the 2020 over to version, yeah. And I, I and thought it was also, box office. I, I'd watch that all day. Absolutely. I love it too. It's not only the 2020 version of snooker, it's the darts version of snooker in the sense that the crowd are boisterous yeah. and healthy and singing. It's brilliant. Um, Everything about it, really, is different to every other snooker tournament going. And for that reason, most of the snooker world has said, this is a ranking tournament. Barry Hearn, what are you thinking? This is a ridiculous decision. However, I thought about it when I read the news, and I thought, if 
a if, if a season of ranking tournaments is supposed to test every aspect of a player, then there are plenty of tournaments, ranking tournaments out there in the calendar already, which test aspects of players such as endurance, stamina, being able to continue a high standard over the long haul, you know, many, mm. many tournaments do that. The world championship being top of the tree on that front. Mm. Um, but there is no ranking tournament that tests a player's ability to think quickly, to play quickly, mm. to play well quickly. And I think any sort of ranking structure should test all aspects of all players. So for that reason, I'm totally in support of this uh, yeah. This use to, to create this as a ranking event. I agree. Clearly, clearly I come from a, a, of a background of supporting one of the fastest players the game has ever seen, so mm. perhaps I'm slightly biased on that front. However, I think even if I was an Ebden fan, I think, which I'm delighted I'm not, but... Um, <laughs> But even if I was, I think I'd still believe the same thing. Any ranking, any collective of ranking tournaments should test all aspects of all players. This tests their speed like no other ranking tournament out there. For that reason, it's a thumbs up from me. But also, I I agree with everything that you just said there. But just a, uh, a little add on. This okay. will be really good TV. I mean, it just... It is, when I yeah. watched it, I was absorbed. And I reckon this tournament can come over here and it'll actually be on television and people will sit down and watch this as something new. It'll be something fresh, a little bit like 2020 that came into the test version of the game yep. for cricket. And anything that gets people interested in snooker again um, is only a good thing. And by giving it ranking points gives it credence and it will get taken seriously as a tournament. And so this, this is all good for the sport. And I think the people like Ebden should really just, just kind of Look at the bigger picture. I appreciate he's got an opinion and doesn't value this as uh, an exact science or a good reflection of the game, but it will bring attention towards the game and and uh, when the game is you know in need of it as well. Correct. It's on TV. It's been on Sky Sports every year. It's been on. It's staged in Blackpool Tower, so that adds a little bit of difference as well. A little bit of razzmatazz and sparkle. It's in the Tower Circus Arena. I've I've been there. Anyone who else, any anybody else who's been there knows that that's quite a, a magical place to be mm. halfway up the Blackpool Tower watching a sporting event. You know, in in a in a rowdy sort of crowd as well. It all adds something really quite unique. But I think perhaps the main thing you said there referred to perspective on the tournament. I think Mark Allen's main gripe was that this tournament has always been a bit of fun. I'm sorry, Mark Allen, but from a fan's perspective, I'm a little bit insulted, I have to say, that you and perhaps many other professionals regard something that paying punters go and see as just a bit of fun. A bit of fun that could earn him several, several thousand pounds. I don't go to work every day and have things that come my way that are a little bit of fun that I'm going to get paid for. Why should you get paid for little bits of fun? Do you see what I mean? Mm. Yeah, go and, fuck yourself, uh, uh, Mark Wallen. Yeah, correct. I think perspective, players' perspectives of this tournament should change. 
They should take it more seriously. It isn't just a bit of fun. It's something different that tests you in different ways. Get over it. Play quicker. Beat Jimmy if you can. Yeah, quit your noise. Right, okay. <laughs> um, Ian, I've got a couple of readers' questions for you. Oh, a bit of a Q&A, yeah? Readers' questions. How many have you got, by the way? Um, uh, well, I've got... I think I've got six questions in total, but... I'm I... amazed by that. I'm amazed that six people got off their ass in the last 48 hours since I put that tweet out and have emailed you with a question. Well Ian, done to the six. I applaud you. I worship you. Ian, um, I'm afraid five questions came from the same person. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to bring you oh. back to, to pop that bubble and bring you hurtling back towards the truth. Um, but you know, I'm these just, are still the, the questions are still amazing. Rumors right here, right now. That person was not me. I don't know who it was, <laughs> but it wasn't me. Well, perhaps we'll start with a five from the from the same uh, reader. <laughs> are you going to reveal their identity? Yes, by the of way? course, of course. So oh, okay. we have at Fleetington. I thought Twitter. it might be, yeah. He's a, he's a regular on my Twitter, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, he's a I really... applaud you, Fleetington. So More at... Fleetingtons, please. At Fleetington um, asks, uh, okay. what, what will JW Fanatic do when Jimmy retires? Here you have a speechless answer. And you have a speechless answer... Because I don't know. I don't know. I've, ever since, as in the previous uh, podcast that we did explain, I've been watching this guy and supporting this guy since I was however old I was, seven, I think. And you ask a, a Liverpool football fan or whatever what they would do if Liverpool suddenly folded or whatever. Would they go and support Everton? Of course they wouldn't. Would they... Would they? What would they do? Who, they, they probably wouldn't be able to answer the question. And sorry, Fleetington, but I'm going to give up here. I have no answer. I don't know. Mm. It's been this player that has sparked my interest in the sport. When he goes, I'm not even sure my interest in the sport will remain, wow. if I'm brutally honest. Heard it here first. Well, uh, yeah, maybe you'll have to take up fishing. You know, yeah. like Jimmy's doing. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I should be an avid viewer of the big fish off. Um, maybe maybe you'll just watch Jimmy fan. White fish. You won't watch him play stick anymore. Yes. <laughs> you just watch him fish next to Bobby George. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? It's a, it's a good a possibility as any. Okay, uh, second question. After Jimmy, who are his, as in you, who are his favourite snooker players? Who are my yeah, uh, favourite apart from Jimmy? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to say something controversial here. I am not, never have been particularly a massive Ronnie O'Sullivan fan. I get the appeal from the masses, from the millions. He doesn't do it for me. I don't know why, but if I had, th this will surprise people as well, but if I had Ronnie O'Sullivan... Uh, in some qualifying event or something on a table to my left, and I had Peter Ebden playing somebody on a table to my right, I would probably head right. I don't know why, but there is nothing really that's ever appealed to me about Ronnie. But he asked who I do like, so I will cut the Ronnie crap. Um, 
Tony Drago is a big one. I've met him several yeah. times. Um, I watched him make a 88 break in three minutes and 12 seconds once. And mm. it was, wow, it was astonishing. And that was only about 18 months ago. So we're not talking a Tony Drago back in the flush of youth doing this, you know. Uh, so he would be up there. Um, the Hurricane. Mm. The long lost Hurricane, bless his soul. He did things on a snooker table that Jimmy can't do, that nobody else can do, even to this day. Um, he would be up there. There's a common theme running here, isn't there? Jimmy, the hurricane, the tornado. Yeah. There's a type <laughs> of player that I like, I think. But are, there, are there any cyclones out there? Are there any cyclones? Steve Cyclone Davis, no. Oh, what about Terry Tornado? <laughs> Tornado Terry. I think we're going to come on to Tornado Terry in a minute, aren't we? But uh, I, I, nobody knows how good a player Tornado Terry is, and, and <laughs> they'll refer to that in a minute. Okay. But, um, I think there's probably one more player that I'd add to that, though, and he doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue like the other players uh, that I've mentioned. He's not even on the tour at present. He lost his tour place, uh, losing in the World Qualifiers last season. But it's a fellow from Gloucester, again, I've met him a few times, called Michael Wosley. He plays the game in a brash, fast-ish fashion. He wears his heart totally on his sleeve. And that's his appeal, basically, from a fan perspective. You see every emotion every time. And there's something about that that hooks me in a little bit. He's a great guy as well. Perhaps he uh, loses his rags a little too often, and I think even he would probably admit that. But um, but he's a top guy. Um, I've played him. I think I'd beat him, but he Ooh. would say otherwise. Um, and uh, But, yeah, there's something about him that I like too. But, yeah, Jimmy, top of the tree, the hurricane, the tornado, and the little known... Very good, Michael Wosley. Excellent. Um, okay, we'll rattle these off now. If uh, okay. Does Ian rationally think Jimmy is good enough to win the world title? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Always have done. Oh, you didn't uh, even hesitate I, on that one. That was. Oh, in fact, I'm disgusted and appalled by the fact that whoever that was, that Fleetington. Uh, yeah, these are all Fleetington. Yeah. Yeah, get rid of that word rationally, mate. There is no rationally or irrationally about it. Jimmy is a top, top snooker player capable of beating anyone, any day, any time, any place. Beaten Ronnie loads of times recently. Beat Carter recently. Mm. Bring them all on, yeah? yeah? Oh, uh, He may not, but I think he could. Sorry to uh, interrupt you on your... <laughs> in your flow Ian but just, just to mention that we've got Joe's well Ian uh, Jimmy's got Joe Swale in the next round hasn't he so the first round proper of the, the Indian, Indian Open yeah yep. next month yeah uh, again we might be going around the houses here but how's Joe Swale's form Joe Swale lost in a late night grueling world championship qualifier I seem to remember I was in the arena I think it was some young Chinese buck he was playing I can't remember who exactly but uh, it was a long, drawn-out affair. I think he uh, lost in the Riga as well, because I just saw on, think, his, on his Twitter he, he got did. knocked out of the Riga one yeah. as well. Uh, I'm not sure who he beat to get to the Indian Open qualifiers, but uh, I, I would suggest, uh, having seen his results, if nothing else, that he's 
he's probably not playing as well as Jimmy at present. And I'm not saying that through rose-tinted spectacles. Mm. I'm saying that through having seen both play reasonably recently and seen both players' results. So I think Jimmy goes into that one as favourite. But still, a top player is Joe. He tweeted me. He responded to my my tweet on... uh, uh, on Twitter recently, saying he's oh, really looking wow. forward to uh, to that one. I asked him simply for his thoughts ahead of playing the whirlwind in India next month, and his response was simply "love it" and about three exclamation marks. So he'll be bang up for it. They've had some cracking matches over the years. Jimmy leads the head to head. I can't remember by what, but he does lead that particular head to head, and I think he's favourite this time. If I'm honest. Um, but Ian, it'll be a good one. Ian, uh, well, you might have a little bit more luck getting hold of, hold of Joe then, because I tried emailing him through his website and on his Facebook. Oh, did you? I thought yeah. maybe I can get like a, a little chat with him and his expectations of the game. Yeah. Um, ahead of Jimmy, uh, but he's at this at this moment in time he hasn't responded. See, but... that's that's the pull of yours truly on Twitter. <laughs> that's you why see? you're wearing the free T-shirt. I I'm... get the big names, I'm afraid. Mm. I know you've had your your uh, Joe Calzaghi on your blog and your... Who was that Liverpool footballer? The uh, Daniel Raheem Sturridge. Sterling, was yeah. it? Daniel Sturridge. Daniel Sturridge, that's the one, the other guy. Uh, so you're, you're getting these top the other names black man. in sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not go there. Dangerous ground. Um, okay. But yeah, leave the snooker guys to me, mate. I will. All right, it's your pool. <laughs> okay, we'll uh, quickly get these uh, other questions out of the way, and then we'll perhaps... Okay. Are we'll they perhaps... all Fleetingtons? Are they? Uh, two more from Fleetington, then one more from my brother. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of Twitter, only one person responded, yeah? Yeah, but my brother's also... Brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, if the World Double makes a comeback... Who does Ian think Jimmy would be most suited to as a partner? I think they've already agreed it. You're um, shitting me. Who? Uh, the deal is signed, sealed and delivered that if the World Doubles did return and there is a possibility of it, I know Barry Hearn has uh, mentioned it, if not... Com- it isn't confirmed, but he has uh, dropped the carrot about it, if nothing else. But the pairing is sorted, and the pairing would be Jimmy, the Whirlwind White, and Ronnie. Oh, yeah. Well, you might might have to turn around then. You might have to come full circle on liking Ronnie, because you'll be championing his corner, won't you? He's not my cup of tea. I don't know why he isn't, but uh, I've seen enough snooker to know he's pretty good at it. And them as a pair would be something else, wouldn't it? I, don't get me wrong, he doesn't do anything for me. However, he's a great snooker player and them as a pair would be box office. Well, I realise that as much as the next guy, you know. Who was his partner before? Was it Tony Mio in the old days? He has partnered Tony Mio in the World Doubles, yes. He won it with Alex Higgins back oh. in '84. Um, but yes, he has partnered Mio. He's also partnered, um, oh, crikey, what was his name? He was, he was the pretty boy, the old world number two in the eighties. Um, his name's just left me briefly. Kirk Stevens. No, no, uh, not, not Kirk. Tony, um. Oh, Tony Knowles. Tony Knowles. That was it. Yeah. He's partnered Tony Knowles as well in, uh, in doubles events. Um, 
But no, Alex was him and Alex won it um, back in '84. Uh, and I think if it was to come back, Jimmy and Ronnie would be well up there in terms of uh, favourites for that that particular accolade again. Well, um, I mean, it's going back to Tony Mio. It's actually quite interesting reading his book that during his young hustling days, it would be him and Mio getting ferried about uh, and going to these snooker halls to actually hustle and play and win money. So that it's it's interesting. You don't often see Jimmy connected to Tony Mio in, in the in the limelight nowadays, I guess because Tony Mio has not really done anything for the last 10, 15 years. But they were very good friends back in the day. They were almost them two that started it all, weren't they? And they still are good friends. I think Jimmy's um, gone on record as saying fairly recently that they still are in touch. They still do see each other. But yeah, back in back in the flushes of youth, I suppose, 13, 14 and so on, Dodgy Bob, their driver... That's it. Uh, would take uh, the two of them to snooker clubs up, up and down the country. These two little East End lads would be taken uh, to Sunderland, to Birmingham, to Manchester, to Liverpool, to anywhere. Um, and Dodgy Bob did so on the premise that I think 80% of the money that these two kids earned from beating the top players in any club they rocked up at would go into Bob's pocket. Um, these two kids knew nothing of the value of money at that particular time, so they went with it. You know, this sounds cool. Let's go for it. Mm. And they did, and they'd win some and they'd lose some, but they won more than they lost, and they were playing some top people across the country. You know, whoever whoever was the best player in the snooker club that they rocked up at, they would take them on. And... Thousands and thousands of pounds would be on the table, literally 10k, 15k, whatever. And these are 13 year old school kids playing for this amount of money. It wouldn't happen today. That is not a that that is not a uh, an avenue into professional snooker these days. But it was Jimmy's education and it was Tony's as well. Mm. And um, we should get Tony on. We should get Tony on the podcast, shouldn't we? I'm sure he's up for a chat. Oh. Locate him would be difficult. Leave it with me. <laughs> All right, then. it's your it's your <laughs> domain. There's a challenge that I accept. Okay, last last question from at Fleetington number five. Thank when... the Lord for that. Nice guy, but thank the Lord for that. Thank you, Fleetington. When are we? <laughs> but yeah, maybe two to three questions next time around. <laughs> <laughs> when are we yeah. going to hear Ian on BBC Snooker commentary for Jimmy matches anyway? He's asking, when, when, when are you going to get on the punditry team next to when Taylor? When am I going to get on the BBC? Yeah. Well, A, if I was to be on anything, it would surely be on Eurosport with Jimmy and Ronnie and Dolly the Dog and the whiskey flowing and every all the carnage that happens on there. It would surely be on that rather than the boring bunch on the Beeb. Um, but... Yeah, I'll, I'll stick to what I do on Twitter. I don't think the offers are going to come flooding in on that front. Um, <laughs> it would be lovely if they did, but uh, I think I, I better not leave my current job just yet. Okay, last one from my brother Matthew. Hello, Matthew. Uh, blah, 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 blah. That's not the question, is no, it? No, no, I've, I've just lost. I don't speak Womble. <laughs> I've lost the question. <laughs> I remember it anyway, though. He he asked me to ask you. Is it true that Jimmy can't drive? Jimmy can drive. Uh, he has a uh, Bentley, the um, 
The uh, number plate is well known, uh, C-U-E-8-0-Y, which reads Q-Boy when you look at it. Hmm. Um, he also has another one, I think, that is JWW-147, Jimmy Whirlwind White-147. Um, and, yes, he's thoroughly able to drive. He has encountered some driving problems over the years, Um a drink drive ban in, I think, uh, 1992, perhaps. Um, and recently, there was uproar, maybe last summer, I think, there was uproar among the uh, Epsom locals after Jimmy taking his dry cleaning in to be done, parked on double yellow lines. You naughty boy, <laughs> whirlwind. In terms of dodgy escapades that Jimmy's done over the years. I don't think it ranks particularly highly up the list. However, the local Epsom press took that and ran with it. I think it was front page news for a little while. Ooh. It was all over the internet. Um, so yes, he can drive, but he's had his little driving misdemeanours. I've heard. Well, we're going to move on now, uh, Ian, because we're going to perhaps run out of time. And uh, We're going to watch a video, shall we? We'll watch a, a little bit of nostalgia. So, um, okay. what are we about to watch? Well, um, I figured, as we talked about him earlier, Tornado Terry. Ah, yes, yes, maybe, yes. Maybe we could squeeze that one in, what do you say? Okay, yeah, well, this one's a relevant one. I, I think what we're going to do with these video commentaries is hopefully uh, link them to a recent anniversary. And this is one where this is true. Uh, I think it was the 28th of May, uh, just last week or so. And um, on the 28th of May 2011, five years ago, uh, Jimmy was doing an exhibition night with the Snooker Legends crew uh, over at Dundalk FC, Dundalk Football Club in Ireland. And uh, he was taking on some of the locals in uh, one-frame matches, and one such local was a man who turned up with his own cue in a fancy case. And uh, he was all ready to demonstrate his skills. And so ready was he that he even gave himself the name of Tornado Terry. He was a confident <laughs> man. He thought he was going to bring down the whirlwind. But little did he know that snooker history, a rather unique piece of snooker history was about to be made okay, should we go great. with it absolutely yeah um just lastly though maybe we can also reach out to tornado terry yeah yeah i think we mentioned that last time but we definitely have to get some uh, studied celebrities onto the podcast so that we can talk to them about tornado their first hand from dundalk in ireland if you are out there please get in touch with my mate pete brooker human research we want you on the white room you had front <laughs> row seats to this amazing amazing moment and you didn't get a shot which is hilarious but you were there so we want you on the show okay so um just to tee it up we're uh, we're gonna put the the YouTube clip um, and a couple of other things that we might have mentioned today in the show notes you can go to www.humanresearch.xyz click on the podcast link at the top there you'll find us and the show notes including this video that we're about to watch will be in there so you can watch it along with us and, uh, and, and enjoy the commentary so without further ado shall we 
give it a click. Should oh, we do it? just to make sure, you've got the video that lasts 11 minutes 45, yeah, on your end? Uh, yeah, I've yep. got it on my phone here. Uh, there we go. Yep. Uh, can you just about see that? It's about to play on my phone there. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm going to watch it on that and uh, hopefully provide a little bit of shitty commentary. Okay. <laughs> Ready to go? Three, two, one, and then play. Okay, so John Virgo kicks it off by inter- uh, introducing Jimmy and Tornado Terry. And crucially, which what makes this event uh, unique, it's Jimmy White to break, and you'll see very shortly why that is crucial. The shake of hands comes. Jimmy breaks, and he breaks by hitting off the bottom of the pack into the reds, and one goes in the left middle right there. And the white is plum on the black. So Jimmy has potted a red off the break. He's plum on the black, which means here we have a possibility of a 147 from the whirlwind direct from his break-off shot. Something... Wow that has never happened in snooker history. Ian, you might, Ian you might have to turn um, the volume on it a little bit. It's kind of Turn the volume on it a little bit. Turn it turn it down a little bit because we'll put the volume on turn it. Turn it down. down. Yes. Please. Okay. No worries. Jimmy's just sunk the second red. So the balls are pretty well spread as well. They're on the rail. Uh you know, a couple on the left-hand side, but they're they're not too bad, are they? There's well-spread ones, but yeah. there's also difficult ones. Uh, he's about to complete the 147, as I've just revealed a moment ago. However, there's those two on the left-hand yeah. side, which are awkward. I think there's one on the bottom rail, which is awkward. There's some spread across the middle of the table, for sure. Um which get him going up to the sort of 50-60 mark. Um, Here we go. Change of camera angle. This is not the best footage, but obviously it's someone from the crowd that is recording this on the mobile. The whole time, the whole time uh, Virgo is doing his usual gags for the crowd. Yeah, you see Jimmy smiling away, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Tornado Terry has just come to uh, (laughs) have a closer look. He's waiting patiently for a turn that he's not going to get, bless him. <laughs> Tornado Terry. He's even screwed his cue together, look. He's keen. Yeah. He's ready. He's waiting. He's Is waiting it... to pounce. Yeah, he's, he thinks he's in with a chance here, but... Here we go. Jimmy, red, black, red, black, red, black. I think he's up to... That's the fifth black, I think, that's just gone down. The beautiful Michaela Tab there putting the oh, black ball back. Sensational woman. The Andrea McLean of Snooker. Could you get her on the podcast or maybe a topless picture or something? <laughs> <laughs> How about we get a topless picture uh, just not in picture form? How about we get a topless on the podcast? <laughs> Two birds, one stone. Hey, it's uh, Two it's... raps, one podcast. It's what the listeners would want. It's what I would want. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. He's up into the 50s now, I think. 
And I think the whole time the yeah, uh, and he's just nudged the ones on the left hand side there, those reds. So yeah, he's, just... he's brought them out uh, off the cushion a little bit. The Dundalk crowd are now clapping, pretty much shot by shot, as if the realization of what could happen here mm. is dawning. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven reds left. I make that, so that's a break of sixty-four so far. He's looking pretty fluid, isn't he? Like he's hitting the ball he clean, hit. very relaxed around the table. Tricky one to right middle coming up. Okay. Okay. So Jimmy's getting down on the black now. One, two, three, four reds remaining. Tough cutback on the black, that one, but it's yeah, there. Again, nice. very controlled. There must be a plant on here. Tornado Terry applauding. Mm. Break up to 88. It's the plant that... you've just called, and you, you will be right. Is he going to be able to screw back? Oh. There we go. Oh, brilliant, Jim. Again, the crowd and tornado, every shot's getting the applause. That one very much worthy of it, that plant. Yeah. The red that didn't go in of the two is perhaps now slightly hampered by the blue. Yeah, that's what I thought, so he's going to have to... Play it so long. it's the three tricky reds that remain. He's right. landed nicely on that one near the blue. So that one's about to go. The break up to 96. Remember, all of this was direct from the break. Yeah. The red went in the left pocket. That cut back on the red is in the right middle. That's great. I mean, he's got... Who says his positional player shit? That was just spot on, wasn't it? Well, sometimes I have to say I do, and sometimes he does. Um, mm. However, this break, it's bang on all the way, and there's another one. Yeah. He's expertly got on that, uh, that bottom red of the two. The break is now into three figures, 104. Greatest rest player in the world coming up. It's in. Beautiful. Lovely pace. Go on, Jimmy. One red remaining. The most awkward of the lot, and he plays a humdinger of a shot. Let's have a look. He's got to get all the way up to that red. Here we go. So he's left a sort of mid-range... Yeah. Awkward cut of a shot into the top right-hand corner. So that's With go... the rest as well. What's that colour on the ball cushion? Is that the yellow? Is there like a that colour... is the pink. That's the pink. The pink's all the way down there. It is. Get out of the way, Michaela. Get your fit ass out of the way. I can't see the <laughs> shot. Stay there, Michaela. Stay there. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Jimmy's giving it another look. Right. Come on, McKay. One four seven hinges on this shot, really. Yeah, he's got to get all the way back now, so he's going to have to play some deep screw. Yep. Come on, zoom You've in, Mr. It. Cameraman. Here we go. Oh yeah, with the rest. It's back. There. Oh, Jimbo. He's back for the black. That's the shot of the frame for me. Beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah. It's Ooh. not done yet, though. There's the no. final. Um, Black sunk, and the white uh, get, the white jumped up there, but on the yellow. But of course, he's got the tricky situation of the pink to come. Yep. So this is by no means easy. He's done an awful lot of hard work already. He's kept that perfect position pretty much throughout. 
Here's the rest again. He's had to use that a few times on yeah. difficult shots. Has he got a that nice round? bit of position coming up on the green? That's nice. I mean, he's not going to be able to get the hand on the table, though, is he? No, that doesn't matter too much to this guy, though. Here we go. Stroked in with ease. There we yeah, go. Yeah, we've got it. Where's the brown going to go? Oh, oh no. Awkward oh. on the brown. So he's just, he's pretty much dead bang center. Yep. About two inches between there white and brown ball. Slight kiss on the brown, which mm. took a little pace off the white ball. I think it was going to run past the brown and leave it nicely into a corner. But it's made that white ball slow down and stop center table, really, not far away from the brown. This is so nerve-wracking. Only... I'm, I'm nervous now. You know, this is, this is tense. It is. Here we go. Not only the rest, but the extension on rest and cue. Deep screw as well. He cuts it yes. in. Yes. He holds for blue. Oh, wow. Tornado Terry's loving it. Wondering yeah. when his go is going to come. <laughs> I've got news for you, Tornado, mate. It ain't. <laughs> now, Jimmy so. is slightly wrong side of the blue. Watch what he does. Oh, a bit of deep screw. A deep, oh. deep screw and reverse side as well to take him yeah. back the other way up but for pink. I bet he's dead straight on this pink. How's he going to get up for the black? It's awkward. Is it's that... awkward. There's a car in the auditorium. How's that worked out? No idea. <laughs> Okay, right. <laughs> Maybe it's the prize. How is he going to get? Here we get... go. Deep screw coming up. Oh, what some whip! What some whip! It's rolling. Go on, Jimmy. We don't want that white to go down, though. Oh, up on the black. Look at that positional shot. Dundalk is about to go nuts. Wow! From the break, and he gives him the Drago hug. <laughs> the Drago bear hug. Tornadoes together. Oh my word! There we go on the there screen. Jimmy White, one four seven. That was pretty special. Look Wasn't at that place. Look at that place just erupting. People on the rafters cheering. Uh, that's what Virgo loves to see as well. That's why he. That's why he gets dressed up in a tux to see stuff like that. Oh, tornado <laughs> gets in. Tornado is get, giving it the cue case pump. Look. Get, Gives it. He's got his moment in the sun, hasn't he? He has. He'll be able to say to his little breezy grandchildren, I was there. Off the break, though. I mean, we've seen quite a few 147s in our day. Yeah. Um, but like you say, that's that's history. That is history. It's, it's not... Uh, there we go. The thumbs up from Jimmy. It's not something that will make world snooker history books or anything like, th like that because no. it's happened... In, ex in an exhibition scenario rather than mm. uh, a, t a tournament or a professional event. So, um, yeah. you know, it, it won't do anything on that front. However, it's known about, it's recorded, it, there's footage there, it happened. Yeah. And I don't think anybody else can claim the same feat of uh, snooker brilliance. Well, I thought that was amazing. Just some of them shots in that frame, you know, just uh, out of this world shots, you know, the positional shots, getting on the rest, falling out of position so many times, deep screw, yeah, yeah. whip back, that backspin whip that he's managing to get with the check side. Uh, like you say, there's only a couple of people in the world that can pull off them kind of shots. Correct. Uh, You're looking at probably Ronnie, maybe a little mm. bit of Judd Trump in there as well. But it was 
it was all going so well uh, until maybe three or four reds from the end, the trickier reds that remained. There was the plant in there, and pretty much from the plant onwards, things got a little bit awkward. Mm. There needed to be plenty of rest use, um, and, and like you say, the deep, deep screws. But who do you want in those sort of scenarios? Perhaps Jimmy is top of the tree on that front. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, Ian, thanks so much for joining us on the second episode of The White Room. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. Not a problem. Looking forward already to Jimmy v. Joe Swale in the Indian Open, first week of July. Not long after that, uh, Jimmy against the world number one, Mark mm-hmm. Selby, in the World Open. But before then, let's all go fishing. Absolutely. And uh, thank. be sure to thank your other half again for installing Skype onto the laptop for me. She did, yes. What, what we didn't reveal to the viewers and listeners this evening was uh, two nights ago, I pretty much had a meltdown whilst trying to... Uh, I don't even know what I was trying to do. Something something with Skype. Mm. Um, and my computer, as David Walliams would say, computer says no. Um, and I was basically ready to smash the thing. Um, but my good lady came home. She, uh, she um, got out her laptop and uh, pressed a few buttons and within minutes it was solved. So, yes, we have episode two of The White Room uh thanks to yourself not very much thanks to me but an enormous (laughs) amount of thanks to my good lady who has uh got me out of a technological hole well they say behind every good man is a woman rolling her eyes and i'm sure she's doing that right now so she rolls them a lot i promise um when uh when can we speak to you next ian when's uh when's the next Um... podcast you can we Oh, well, obviously, in terms of tour stuff, we're off until the first week of July, really. Mm. Um, we've got a pretty bizarre month coming up, really, haven't maybe, we? Maybe we could One do thing a pod- we didn't mention earlier was Jimmy may become a godfather this month as well, oh, following, following Ronnie Woods', Ronnie Woods yeah. uh, twin daughters. Um, so there's that in there as well. Bizarre month coming up. Maybe we should wait for a little bit of that bizarreness to happen and uh, see where we go with podcast three in terms of some weird content. Well, stay tuned, listeners, and keep an yes. eye keep an eye on at Whirlwind Fan Ian. That's the one uh, on Twitter, and keep an eye on us as well at Human underscore Research underscore. Uh, and like I say, all the show notes will be at the website www.humanresearch.exposure so thanks a lot cheers Ian have a good couple of weeks mate and uh, we'll speak to you soon and you cheers bye thanks cheers buddy